A contract is a legally binding document that recognizes and governs the rights and duties of the parties to the agreement. A contract is legally enforceable because it meets the requirements and approval of the law. A contract typically involves the exchange of goods, service, money, or promise of any of those. Breach of contract means that the law will have to award the injured party either the access to legal remedies such as damages or cancellation. In the Anglo-American common law, formation of a contract generally requires an offer, acceptance, consideration, and mutual intent to be bound. Each party must be those who are binding by the contract. Although most oral contracts are binding, some types of contracts may require formalities such as being in writing or by deed. In the civil law tradition, contract law is a branch of the law of obligations. Each country recognized by private international law has its own national system of law to govern contracts. Although systems of contract law might have similarities, they may contain significant differences. Accordingly, many contracts contain a choice of law clause and a jurisdiction clause. These provisions set the laws of the country which will govern the contract, and the country or other forum in which disputes will be resolved, respectively. Failing express agreement on such matters in the contract itself, countries have rules to determine the law governing the contract and the jurisdiction for disputes. For example, European member states apply Article 4 of the Romai Regulation to decide the law governing the contract, and the Brussels I Regulation to decide jurisdiction. Formation At common law, the elements of a contract are offer, acceptance, intention to create legal relations, consideration, and legality of both form and content. Not all agreements are necessarily contractual, as the parties generally must be deemed to have an intention to be legally bound. A so-called gentleman's agreement is one which is not intended to be legally enforceable, and binding in honor only. Offer and Acceptance In order for a contract to be formed, the parties must reach mutual assent, also called a meeting of the minds. This is typically reached through offer and an acceptance which does not vary the offer's terms, which is known as the mirror image rule. An offer is a definite statement of the offerer's willingness to be bound should certain conditions be met. If a purported acceptance does vary the terms of an offer, it is not an acceptance but a counteroffer and, therefore, simultaneously a rejection of the original offer. The Uniform Commercial Code disposes of the mirror image rule in Section 2-207, although the UCC only governs transactions in goods in the USA. As a court cannot read minds, the intent of the parties is interpreted objectively from the perspective of a reasonable person, as determined in the early English case of Smith v. Hughes. It is important to note that where an offer specifies a particular mode of acceptance, only an acceptance communicated via that method will be valid. Contracts may be bilateral or unilateral. A bilateral contract is an agreement in which each of the parties to the contract makes a promise or set of promises to each other. For example, in a contract for the sale of a home, the buyer promises to pay the seller $200,000 in exchange for the seller's promise to deliver title to the property. These common contracts take place in the daily flow of commerce transactions, and in cases with sophisticated or expensive precedent requirements, which are requirements that must be met for the contract to be fulfilled. Less common are unilateral contracts in which one party makes a promise, but the other side does not promise anything. In these cases, those accepting the offer are not required to communicate their acceptance to the offerer. In a reward contract, for example, a person who has lost a dog could promise a reward if the dog is found through publication or orally. The payment could be additionally conditioned on the dog being returned alive. Those who learn of the reward are not required to search for the dog, but if someone finds the dog and delivers it, the promiser is required to pay. In the similar case of advertisements of deals or bargains, 
a general rule is that these are not contractual offers but merely an invitation to treat, or bargain, but the applicability of this rule is disputed and contains various exceptions. The High Court of Australia stated that the term unilateral contract is unscientific and misleading. In certain circumstances, an implied contract may be created. A contract is implied in fact if the circumstances imply that parties have reached an agreement even though they have not done so expressly. For example, John Smith, a former lawyer may implicitly enter a contract by visiting a doctor and being examined, if the patient refuses to pay after being examined, the patient has breached a contract implied in fact. A contract which is implied in law is also called a quasi-contract, because it is not in fact a contract, rather, it is a means for the courts to remedy situations in which one party would be unjustly enriched were he or she not required to compensate the other. Quantum Merowit claims are an example. Invitation to Treat Where something is advertised in a newspaper or on a poster, the advertisement will not normally constitute an offer but will instead be an invitation to treat, an indication that one or both parties are prepared to negotiate a deal. An exception arises if the advertisement makes a unilateral promise, such as the offer of a reward as in the famous case of Carlyle v. Carbolic Smokeball Company, decided in 19th century England. The company, a pharmaceutical manufacturer, advertised a smokeball that would, if sniffed three times daily for two weeks, prevent users from catching the flu. If the smokeball failed to prevent flu, the company promised that they would pay the user £100, adding that they had deposited £1,000 in the Alliance Bank to show our sincerity in the matter. When Mrs. Carlyle sued for the money, the company argued the advert should not be taken as a serious, legally binding offer, instead it was a mere puff, but the Court of Appeal held that it would appear to a reasonable man that Carbolic had made a serious offer, and determined that the reward was a contractual promise. Although an invitation to treat cannot be accepted, it should not be ignored, for it may nevertheless affect the offer. For instance, where an offer is made in response to an invitation to treat, the offer may incorporate the terms of the invitation to treat unless the offer expressly incorporates different terms. If, as in the Boots case, the offer is made by an action without any negotiations, such as presenting goods to a cashier, the offer will be presumed to be on the terms of the invitation to treat. Auctions are governed by the Sale of Goods Act 1979, as amended, where Section 57.2 provides, a sale by auction is complete when the auctioneer announces its completion by the fall of the hammer, or in other customary manner. Until the announcement is made any bidder may retract his bid. Electronic Contracts Entry into contracts online has become common. Many jurisdictions have passed e-signature laws that have made the electronic contract and signature as legally valid as a paper contract. In India, e-contracts are governed by the Indian Contract Act, 1872, according to which certain conditions need to be fulfilled while formulating a valid contact. Certain sections in the Information Technology Act, 2000, also provide for a validity of online contracts. In some U.S. states, email exchanges have become binding contracts. New York courts in 2016 held that the principles of real estate contracts to apply equally to electronic communications and electronic signatures, so long as its contents and subscription meet all requirements of the governing statute and pursuant to the Electronic Signatures and Records Act ESRA. Intention to be legally bound in commercial agreements it is presumed that parties intend to be legally bound unless the parties expressly state the opposite as in a heads of agreement document. For example, in Rose and Frank Company v. Junior Crompton & Brothers Limited, an agreement between two business parties was not enforced because an honor clause in the document stated this is not a commercial or legal agreement, but is only a statement of the intention of the parties. In contrast, 
Domestic and social agreements such as those between children and parents are typically unenforceable on the basis of public policy. For example, in the English case Balfour v. Balfour a husband agreed to give his wife £30 a month while he was away from home, but the court refused to enforce the agreement when the husband stopped paying. In contrast, in Merit v. Merit the court enforced an agreement between an estranged couple because the circumstances suggested their agreement was intended to have legal consequences. Consideration A concept of English common law, consideration is required for simple contracts but not for special contracts, contracts by deed. The court in Curry v. Mesa declared consideration to be a right, interest, profit, benefit, or forbearance, detriment, loss, responsibility. Thus, consideration is a promise of something of value given by a promiser in exchange for something of value given by a promise, and typically, the thing of value is goods, money, or an act. Forbearance to act, such as an adult promising to refrain from smoking, is enforceable only if one is thereby surrendering a legal right. In Dunlop v. Selfridge Lord Dunedin adopted Pollock's metaphor of purchase and sale to explain consideration. He called consideration the price for which the promise of the other is bought. In colonial times, the concept of consideration was exported to many common law countries, but it is unknown in Scotland and in civil law jurisdictions. Roman law-based systems neither require nor recognize consideration, and some commentators have suggested that consideration be abandoned, and estoppel be used to replace it as a basis for contracts. However, legislation, rather than judicial development, has been touted as the only way to remove this entrenched common law doctrine. Lord Justice Stenning famously stated that the doctrine of consideration is too firmly fixed to be overthrown by a side wind. In the United States, the emphasis has shifted to the process of bargaining as exemplified by Hamer v. Sidway, 1891. Courts will typically not weigh the adequacy of consideration provided the consideration is determined to be sufficient, with sufficiency defined as meeting the test of law, whereas adequacy is the subjective fairness or equivalence. For instance, Agreeing to sell a car for a penny may constitute a binding contract, although if the transaction is an attempt to avoid tax, it will be treated by the tax authority as though a market price had been paid. Parties may do this for tax purposes, attempting to disguise gift transactions as contracts. This is known as the peppercorn rule, but in some jurisdictions, the penny may constitute legally insufficient nominal consideration. An exception to the rule of adequacy is money, whereby a debt must always be paid in full for accord and satisfaction. However, consideration must be given as part of entering the contract, not prior as in past consideration. For example, in the early English case of Eastwood v. Kenyon, the guardian of a young girl took out a loan to educate her. After she was married, her husband promised to pay the debt, but the loan was determined to be past consideration. The insufficiency of past consideration is related to the pre-existing duty rule. In the early English case of Stilk v. Myrick, a captain promised to divide the wages of two deserters among the remaining crew if they agreed to sail home shorthanded, however, this promise was found unenforceable as the crew were already contracted to sail the ship. The pre-existing duty rule also extends to general legal duties, for example, a promise to refrain from committing a tort or crime is not sufficient. Capacity Sometimes the capacity of either natural or artificial persons to either enforce contracts, or have contracts enforced against them is restricted. For instance, very small children may not be held to bargains they have made, on the assumption that they lack the maturity to understand what they are doing, errant employees or directors may be prevented from contracting for their company, because they have acted ultraviaries, beyond their power. Another example might be people who are mentally incapacitated, either by disability or drunkenness. 
Each contractual party must be a competent person having legal capacity. The parties may be natural persons, individuals, or juristic persons, corporations. An agreement is formed when an offer is accepted. The parties must have an intention to be legally bound, and to be valid, the agreement must have both proper form and a lawful object. In England, and in jurisdictions using English contract principles, the parties must also exchange consideration to create a mutuality of obligation, as in Simpkins v. Pays. In the United States, persons under 18 are typically minor and their contracts are considered voidable, however, if the minor voids the contract, benefits received by the minor must be returned. The minor can enforce breaches of contract by an adult while the adult's enforcement may be more limited under the bargain principle. Promissory estoppel or unjust enrichment may be available, but generally are not. Formalities and writing requirements for some contracts. A contract is often evidenced in writing or by deed, the general rule is that a person who signs a contractual document will be bound by the terms in that document, this rule is referred to as the rule in Lestrange v Grokob. This rule is approved by the High Court of Australia in Toll, FGCT, Proprietary Limited v Alpha Farm Proprietary Limited but a valid contract may, with some exceptions, be made orally or even by conduct. Remedies for breach of contract include damages, monetary compensation for loss, and, for serious breaches only, repudiation, i.e. cancellation. The equitable remedy of specific performance, enforceable through an injunction, may be available if damages are insufficient. Typically, contracts are oral or written, but written contracts have typically been preferred in common law legal systems. In 1677 England passed the Statute of Frauds which influenced similar Statute of Frauds laws in the United States and other countries such as Australia. In general, the Uniform Commercial Code as adopted in the United States requires a written contract for tangible product sales in excess of $500, and real estate contracts are required to be written. If the contract is not required by law to be written, an oral contract is valid and therefore legally binding. The United Kingdom has since replaced the original Statute of Frauds, but written contracts are still required for various circumstances such as land, through the Law of Property Act 1925. An oral contract may also be called a parole contract or a verbal contract, with verbal meaning spoken rather than in words, an established usage in British English with regards to contracts and agreements, and common although somewhat deprecated as loose in American English. If a contract is in a written form, and somebody signs it, then the signer is typically bound by its terms regardless of whether they have actually read it provided the document is contractual in nature. However, affirmative defenses such as duress or unconscionability may enable the signer to avoid the obligation. Further, reasonable notice of a contract's terms must be given to the other party prior to their entry into the contract. An unwritten, unspoken contract, also known as a contract implied by the acts of the parties, which can be either an implied-in-fact contract or implied-in-law contract, may also be legally binding. Implied-in-fact contracts are real contracts under which the parties receive the benefit of the bargain. However, contracts implied in law are also known as quasi-contracts, and the remedy is quantum merit, the fair market value of goods or services rendered. Contract Terms, Construction and Interpretation A contractual term is a provision forming part of a contract. Each term gives rise to a contractual obligation, breach of which can give rise to litigation. Not all terms are stated expressly, and some terms carry less legal weight as they are peripheral to the objectives of the contract. Uncertainty incompleteness and severance. If the terms of the contract are uncertain or incomplete, the parties cannot have reached an agreement in the eyes of the law. An agreement to agree does not constitute a contract, 
and an inability to agree on key issues, which may include such things as price or safety, may cause the entire contract to fail. However, a court will attempt to give effect to commercial contracts where possible, by construing a reasonable construction of the contract. In New South Wales, even if there is uncertainty or incompleteness in a contract, the contract may still be binding on the parties if there is a sufficiently certain and complete clause requiring the parties to undergo arbitration, negotiation or mediation. Courts may also look to external standards, which are either mentioned explicitly in the contract or implied by common practice in a certain field. In addition, the court may also imply a term, if price is excluded, the court may imply a reasonable price, with the exception of land, and second-hand goods, which are unique. If there are uncertain or incomplete clauses in the contract, and all options in resolving its true meaning have failed, it may be possible to sever and void just those affected clauses if the contract includes a severability clause. The test of whether a clause is severable is an objective test, whether a reasonable person would see the contract standing even without the clauses. Typically, non-severable contracts only require the substantial performance of a promise rather than the whole or complete performance of a promise to warrant payment. However, express clauses may be included in a non-severable contract to explicitly require the full performance of an obligation. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The content of this podcast was last edited on March 29, 2020. Hi, this is Annie from Au Simone. You're listening to a Creative Commons licensed podcast.